Welcome to the Simply Christ podcast, the place where we make Jesus our master and we explore and experience the spiritual realm. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure to subscribe, share this with your friends. Check out our website also at simplychrist.org. That's simplychrist.org. Let's get onto it and discuss some of the things actually we talked about in our video, and that is some of the uh, misconceptions that many people have about Christianity. And that can mean anybody, whether they are from uh, the church, whether they are even a minister or a pastor, uh, quote, experienced in, quote, Bible student, um, atheist. There's there's a lot of things and misconceptions about Christianity and our belief in this spiritual way. If you are new to the podcast, make sure you go listen to the first two and the others before that as well, where we kind of build a framework. We certainly did not build the house. We just kind of started, I guess, laying the survey points on the land as to where the land is. And on that, this is a journey where we build it all together. There's no way to really describe what Christianity is in a lifetime, really. It is something that it's experienced. It's not head knowledge. It's not intellectual pursuits. doesn't mean that intellectualism isn't part of it, of course. God gives us intellect, but we are to pursue him in the spiritual realm. That is really the premise of these podcasts and our videos. We are examining these spiritual concepts and and realities in ways maybe that you've never heard, maybe ways that you have heard. These are the things that we want to talk about because they're what make up the framework of Christianity. So let's talk about some of the misconceptions people have. And one of them is this, this really strange idea of who God is. We can talk about the Trinity at a later time and who Jesus is and who the Father is and the Holy Spirit and how they all called, are called one and one community. It, to understand that, we have to go into ancient Hebrew texts and we have to see and put pieces together because it's not a very simple concept in terms of understanding it in the spiritual realm. The simplicity is in following Jesus, of course. But one of the ideas we have is this idea of God, and that is this concept that is really quite strange of, of a God who is, of course, has long flowing white hair, a long beard. He sits in this very uncomfortable marble chair. He kind of sits there and never moves, and he might look down and throw lightning bolts and uh, really kind of mad at the world and... Uh, then there's this sidekick. Uh, sidekick is kind of like Jesus. And then there's the Holy Spirit, and I kind of refer to him as kind of Casper the Friendly Ghost is what many people have this concept of. And and their idea of of the Godhead, of who God is, is God is an old man who has a beard, and he's got a junior who's his son, and then Holy Spirit, which we really don't know what he does. Oh, we can quote some scriptures, and but he's kind of this mysterious figure, and kind of lurks maybe in the shadows, and we don't know much about him. And and that's many people's concept of God, and that's really, you know, not a accurate description of God whatsoever. Another concept people have is God may love us, but he sure doesn't seem to like us very much. I know I've heard people always say that, yes, God loves the world so much that he loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, of course, quoting John 3.16, but when you really press them on the matter, it's, yeah, God loves us, but he really doesn't like us very much. And, and 
You know, and these are things that a lot of Christians believe, and I can understand why, because some of the pictures that's been painted about God, some of the pictures that have been painted about Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the whole concept that you find written in Scripture is so alien to what so many churches and organizations believe today. And it wasn't like that in the first century. It wasn't like that in the days of, of uh, you know, of Abraham or Judaism and the early writers of, of the, the Old Testament. They didn't have the concepts like that. Nobody ever saw God in that way. Nobody saw God as disliking or always an angry God. And then later, you know, you have Jesus who comes on the scene, and the idea that people have is is that God wants to kill everybody, but he decides he's going to send Jesus to die because God's just got to have some blood on him. He's just got to have some blood. So he's going to execute Jesus, and Jesus now is in heaven, and he spends all his time making sure that God doesn't get mad at us and throw us all into hell. And so it's kind of like the idea that many people have that God is this angry parent, this angry father who you can never make happy, and there's just no pleasing him. You really have to try very hard to please him. It's going to take Jesus to calm him down and keep him from going off and tossing everybody into hell. And the Holy Spirit's just kind of there, and he does what he's supposed to do, and he keeps a low profile. And, and, and that is so pathetic. That's such a pathetic view of God. And some of you might be laughing and saying, that is definitely not the idea that I have. And that's great. That's great. That's fantastic. But I'm telling you this because that's the concept many people have of God. Many people who are sitting in the pew right next to you, that's what they think. I know so because when I was a pastor, a minister, I used to listen to people who would tell me these things. And I grew up thinking that God was uh, an angry God, and he was sitting on his marble throne. And that's not true, yet many people are that way. Many people uh, have this idea of who God is that's just not true. And our job then is just really to believe in him. So we don't go to, which is the third point, and that is the misconception of hell and heaven. Heaven is basically just white clouds and harps and a lot of boring singing. I remember one time a young music pastor, worship leader, told me that heaven is nothing but praise and worship singing for eternity. His job is going to be part of the large praise and worship band that's going to lead all the crowds to sing. And, and frankly, I found that quite narcissistic to think that heaven is going to be centered around you up on a stage and you're leading all of us to praise to God. And not only that, it's quite boring to think that we're going to be spending eternity of billions and billions of years doing nothing but singing. That is not what Scripture teaches. Scripture doesn't teach anything like that at all. And, of course, heaven with the white halos and the white wings and all the white, and you're on the fluffy cloud and, you know, the pearly gates and those kind of things. And then there's the opposite, of course. That's hell. Hell is where all the volcanic lava rests. And you get thrown into there if you're bad. And what happens is you are stuck with the pitchfork every so often in this lake of fire. The pitchfork doesn't get you. The devil's pointed tail will. And if that doesn't get you, well, the horns on his head will get you. And everybody's like a great big soup of lava and being stirred around. So if we go to heaven, if we do nice things when we die and say the right prayer and go to or to the right church and believe the right doctrine, then then we're okay. These are just some of the concepts, and we can go on forever on the different concepts, but I kind of want to talk about just three that kind of just kind of stand out the most in what I find many people's minds. So, but is this the reality of Christianity? But is this the reality of Christianity? 
No, it's not the reality of Christianity. This is not what it is. We get a lot of our ideas from Dante's Inferno and other even modern views. And these are views that came about in the Middle Ages, maybe toward around two, three hundred years after Jesus' death. But they started building up steam. And then in the Protestant Reformation, a lot of different ideas came up. And maybe those ideas did not originate then, but they got their start from some of the concepts of who God is. And a lot of the Reformation writers would describe God as this angry God. And then, well, from there, you connect the dots and you have who God is based upon the dots and the way they're they're lined out. That's where a lot of these ideas come from. And so we grow up over the centuries thinking these things. And we we think about, you know, nearly 2,000 years since Jesus arrived on the scene. And then over the course of that time, people have changed all kinds of things that just aren't true. So I'm here to tell you that God doesn't sit on a big marble hard chair and he doesn't have a beard. Okay, then he doesn't long wear long white uh, robes. He he doesn't sit on the edge of a cloud and throw lightning bolts and sit with Jesus and talk about how he wants to destroy everybody and Jesus there is trying to talk him out of it. It's not like this at all. It's a total spiritual realm. It's a realm of a, a total new, different way of thinking. And the ancients understood this, and that's one of the problems we have is that. We don't seem to understand or read scriptures with an ancient or Eastern type of perspective. Now, does that mean everything in the East is correct? No, but we have to also understand much, if not, well, just about all our scriptures were written and understood in light of people from Middle Eastern or Eastern thinking. The New Testament did not originate in Southeast Texas. It did not originate in Alabama Baptist churches. It did not originate in Germany or Rome. The church, as we know it, or the collection, the group, Christianity, what we want to call it now, again, we've defined those in other time, in other terms, rather, in previous podcasts, but it originated from a thinking that is totally alien from the way that you and I think or tend to think. Most of us are from the Western type thinking. Now, I know on my YouTube channel, I have some people who are from from India, from Asia area, and they think Eastern thoughts. And, And when I mean by Eastern thought, they have a different way of processing information. So it is different and it does make a difference. I've talked to people from the Middle East. They will read things in scriptures and enlighten me on things that are just incredible in ways that I never thought about. They're able to draw pictures and paint pictures with scripture that I've never had considered. And it makes sense. A lot of the dots are more connected easily in that way because they tend to think things in metaphors. For instance, when we read in the Old Testament, we read things like the hand of God or God our rock. Now, I've actually heard people argue and discuss whether or not God has hands. Why? Because the Bible says God has a hand, so therefore God must have a hand. We believe the Bible. God says it. I believe it. That settles it type of mindset. God does not have hands. He has no need for hands. He doesn't have five fingers, and he doesn't have fingerprints to help him hold on to things. He doesn't need those things. God is a spirit, And as a spirit, he operates in that realm. He is Elohim, or a disembodied spirit is what he is. We don't read things here in the West, here in the United States or in the West, from that perspective. And that comes back to haunt us. And because of that, we get into arguments, all kinds of silly discussions on things that really don't matter because 
We don't even understand them. They were written by people from a different viewpoint, a different way of thinking. So we have to discard some of the ideas and even some of the phrases we've come up with because we don't understand them in the way. And it's okay. Being a follower of Jesus does not mean that we have to know every verse or every chapter or everything what it means. All Christianity is, is God reconnecting with his creations to do the things he had originally established for us in the beginning. It's okay. We don't have to have an Eastern mindset. But if we were going to start deciphering things and wanting to understand, we at least have to think about what the writers were thinking about and people like Paul, Luke, Mark, all these individuals, how they would look at those scriptures, which was from a Jewish Eastern mindset. So when they talked about things that we typically would not talk about here in our country, they they understood that. They know what it meant. So again, it's all about understanding that it is all part of a spiritual realignment, realignment or bringing things back to the way they were. So let's talk about some truths. The first truth is all of this began prior to the creation of the world. I have talked to some people, and in fact, I had a discussion with one individual who thinks that Christianity is a Abrahamic uh, descendant from the Abrahamic religion, and meaning Judaism is part of the Abrahamic religion. It's a sect of Judaism. In fact, many people in the early church thought it was, when I say early church, pardon me, early Judaism thought that it was a sect of Judaism. Many Romans thought that too, but it wasn't. Just because they thought it was that way doesn't mean it was that way whatsoever. It began prior to the creation of the world. God is a spirit. Now, this is something that is very, very interesting that you're, I want you to go back and read this, and you're going to find it in Psalms chapter 82. It's, it has quite a bit of, of information in there, and I think it really defines a lot about God and what takes place in the heavenly realms. And, and I'll tell you where I get this from. It was by Michael Heiser's, Dr. Michael Heiser's book. He's a Hebrew scholar. He's a Christian who's a Hebrew, one of the most brilliant men when it comes to understanding things. But he said he read this passage of scripture. It changed his, his life. And again, it's in Psalms chapter 82. Let me, put, let me pull it up here. I thought I had it pulled up here. So Psalms chapter 82. And this is how it starts off with, and listen to this. A Psalm of Asaph. God stands in the assembly of El. In the midst of the gods, he renders judgment. He says, How long will you make unjust legal decisions and show favoritism to the wicked? Defend the cause of the poor and the fatherless. Vindicate the oppressed and suffering. Rescue the poor and needy. Deliver them from the power of the wicked. They neither know nor understand. They stumble around in the dark while all the foundations of the earth crumble. I thought, you are gods, all of you are sons of the Most High, yet you will die like mortals, you will fall like all the other rulers. There are several key phrases in here that are very interesting, and I'm reading, I'm reading this, uh, this passage here, and it, it, there's a great website called Net, it's the Net Bible, go read it though. It, there's several verses in here that he says, for instance, in verse 1, God stands in the assembly of of the L, E-L, it's pronounced E-L. And that, it's in some translations to be Elohim. It says, Elohim stands in the assembly of the Elohim in the midst of the gods, he renders judgment. 
And then he goes on and he talks about here in verse 6, I thought, you are gods, all of you are sons of the Most High. He is talking, it sounds like, to a divine council. I challenge you to go check out Dr. Michael Heiser's book, H-E-I-S-E-R. His book is, uh, he has one called Supernatural. The other one's called The Unseen Realm. And it's a very scholarly approach, but it's readable. And I think you will really understand. It blew my mind with things. And it connected dots in scripture and in writing that I never had seen in the past. Or ones that I had seen as like, and eh, it doesn't make sense. And I just move on, which is a danger because then you don't ever learn anything, right? So go check that out. It really does. But I say this and tell you this because God had in the beginning of the world, the belief is, and this is something that Jews from this time, in, in this time frame, understood. They knew this. This is something they dealt with. The writers, the scholarly, the scholarly Jews of the day understood this in the Old Testament. They drew from this. So if you were to tell this to the Jew, they would say, yeah, what are you talking about? Well, doesn't everybody? What, what's your deal? What, you, you're learning something new here? That's elementary stuff to us. They have, there's a belief that of course, God is spirit. He has this heavenly counsel. And you'll find this also in Job when he talks to Job. And you see it in other parts of, of the Old Testament. And then we see God being the supreme and the ultimate God. He is the spirit, the God, who all alone is all powerful. In other words, there is no God like Jehovah. There is no God like Yahweh. None. He's the ultimate, the prime. He's it. God wants to create this same system, for the lack of a better word, here on earth. So he creates this earth with the same concept, the same idea, the same system, like I said, as he has in his heavenly realm. It's even, it's mentioned again throughout the Old Testament. It's even mentioned before Abraham. All these things are mentioned and talked about. In fact, one of the books of Enoch, we'll talk about that now. Book of Enoch is not in the, uh, our, our Bible, so we're not going to, we'll just leave it out. It's not in there, but the early church writers, the early church leaders like Paul, the apostles, all the disciples of Jesus, and the Old Testament prophets and scholars knew about the book of Enoch. It was very well known to them. They knew what it was. This is an understanding. If we understand that Christianity is not about a God sitting in heaven who's waiting to throw us into hell because we've been bad and something that happened from a thousands and thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of years ago with Adam and Eve, and now we're all doomed to hell and we got to get our way out of it, and God's sitting up there waiting for us to get it all right. That's not what it is because God had a purpose in the beginning, and God's purpose was create on this earth a system as he has in his heavenly realms, but here on earth. That's how God is. That's what God does. He creates. He does these things. That's his desire. That's what he wants to do. Number two, the second truth, the fall occurs. There's, of course, there's the fall in Eden. Now, you will talk to some Hebrew scholars, and you will talk to some Christian leaders and Bible scholars, and there's a belief also that literally there were three falls. And one of the falls being Eden, and the other one, uh, book of what you read here in Genesis chapter 6, and we're going to read that right now. That is one that is more subtle, and there's debate on it, but I'm bringing this up because I've told you in the past that these podcasts are not going to be telling you things that we always have heard. We're going to talk to th about things, and to people we may not agree with, and that's okay because we can learn, but we can disagree. We say, okay, we disagree with that. We move on to the next thing. But yet, at least we know it. And if we disagree with it, at least you will know what the arguments are and be prepared for it. 
But if it's not wrong, then it's something that, hey, we've learned from, right? That's how we need to always approach things. So let me read to you now from Genesis chapter 6, and verse 1 through 2. It says, When humankind began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of humankind were beautiful. Hold that in your mind for a moment. Thus they took wives for themselves from any they chose. So let's go back to that other verse here, that very first one we read. When humankind began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of humankind were beautiful. Thus they took wives for themselves from any they chose. That is an eye-opener, and a lot of people will tie that back to Psalms chapter 82. A lot of this is referred to to the Nephilim. There's a lot of debate on what all this means, but very clear. Sons of God saw that the daughters of humankind were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves. Now, that opens up a whole new can of worms and a whole other discussion. But I want us to understand from the beginning, and this is the takeaway, from the beginning, there was a mission and a purpose in the heavenly realms. God wanted to multiply and do that here on this earth. But there was a fall, and things happened. We had the fall in the garden, and we also had the fall, and there's, of course, the Tower of Babel, and those are what some people would call the three falls, and the ranking them as the order of falls is not important here. I just want us to understand that in the beginning, there was a lot of chaos that was going on, a lot of things that started and kicked all this off. So, Back to number one, the whole idea of Christianity began prior to the creation of the world, not called Christianity, but the spiritual way, the spiritual life. Then this fall occurs. Then number three, God continues, however, to use humans and our free will to restore those original plans. So you saw people like Enoch who walked with God. There was Noah. God worked with people long before there was Judaism. He worked with people long before there was Christianity, what we call Christianity. If we break it down into ideas of just Judaism and Christianity, and then before that there was something else, it sounds like God really can't make up his mind. He's got one, then no, okay, he's going to do Judaism. Well, that doesn't work, so he's going to go ahead and do Jesus, and then maybe we'll see if that works. And I, I've literally heard the argument from people that Jesus was executed, so God's got to come up with another plan. Plan D now. A didn't work, B didn't work, C didn't work, now we're going to go to D. That is not what this is all about. What we call Christianity. It's a revealing and the continuation and the taking back to what was in the past. What was originally supposed to be done. Spiritual beings living in a spiritual realm with a spiritual worldview physically on an earth. That's a pretty wild concept. Being a Christian is not about waiting to die to go to heaven. It's about living in the way God created us to live. It's about living in the way that he wants us to be. This did not all just happen 2,000 years ago, and that was it. God honored people who weren't Jews or Christians long before the Abraham. He wasn't a Jew, was he? Neither was Noah, neither was Enoch. They weren't Jews. They were people who lived in the Middle East who know what it was that they actually believed in. We don't know very much. We have the idea of Melchizedek and all that. And then, though, but the children of Israel now, because the promise was to Abraham that all this would be done through him, the children of Israel, and from that, Jesus comes through this line. It's a flow. Think about it as 
water flowing, finding the right area, the right riverbed to flow through. And then from there, it spills out into the ocean where it's going to be. It's not going from one river to the next river to the next river. It's water flow, finding and flowing the area where it's supposed to be flowing as it was designed to do. And don't stretch the analogy too far, but it gives you an idea that's how God operates things. So the fourth point is that Jesus is God on earth in human form, and he pours out the spiritual life on all who desire it. Again, it's not to go to heaven when we die, but to live and accomplish what's been assigned to us from the beginning. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, For grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is not from works so that no one can boast. For we are his creative work, having been created in Christ Jesus, for good works that God prepared beforehand so we can do them. Beforehand doesn't mean that, okay, well, you know, right before Mark was born or right before you were born, God had something set up. Now, yes, that's part of it, but and he does operate that way. But what he's saying in this verse is not before when we were born, but beforehand from all of this creation, this is what he was doing. For we are his creative work. Have him be created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand so we can do them. That's what grace is. Grace is power to move and accomplish the things God has assigned for us to do. We are out of time. Make sure you subscribe, share this with your friends, check out our channel on YouTube. We talk a little bit about this, pretty much some of the same concepts, but maybe just more in a more visual way. And we hit about some of the other topics too. But next time we're going to be talking about some of the promises that we have to live in the spiritual life, not just promises, but what we are created to do and some of the things that God, Jesus himself, tells us that he's going to give to us, not just sitting around waiting for the end of the world to come. Bless you. We'll talk with you next time.